Well, good morning. Great to be with you this morning. If you brought your Bibles, open yours with me to Revelation chapter 18, the 18th chapter in the book of the Revelation. The last two weeks, we began putting two and two together. But to be more specific, we put Revelation 17 and 18 together. This morning, I want to put two and two together again, only this time, Revelation 18 and Revelation 19. First, begin with me as I read Revelation 18, verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Six times in chapter 18, we learn the entire world is weeping, and they are weeping because of God's pronounced judgment. And last week, I asked, how should we respond? Should we weep with them? Should we weep for them? And then I read for us verse 20. We should rejoice over her. Now, by way of reminder, why are we rejoicing and not weeping? Well, verse 20, because God has pronounced judgment for who? For you. Heaven is rejoicing. And I want to reiterate, the church is in that word, you. The church has been in heaven since Revelation 14. And God is saying, I pronounce judgment for you. Now, why put Revelation 18 and 19 together? Well, when God does something for you, what should we do for God? We'll turn to Revelation 19, verses 1 and 2. Here is where we put two and two together. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who is corrupting the earth with her immorality and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. Now, this morning's message is entitled, Hallelujah. I think it'll become abundantly clear why that title when we read a few more verses. Notice verse 3, and a second time they said, Hallelujah. Look at verse 4. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who sits on the throne, saying, Amen. Hallelujah. One more time, drop down to verse 6. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah. Hallelujah means praise God. God has pronounced judgment on her for you. And now what are we doing for God? We're praising him. We're worshiping him. We're, we're thanking him. It's the only acceptable response. Do you see why we must put two and two together? That is Revelation 18 and 19. <clears throat> Verse 2 again, because of his judgments. The word hallelujah is always found at the beginning or the end of psalms. Psalms are songs. 
songs of praise. Uh, listen carefully to the lyrics in Psalm 104 and 35. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul, soul, hallelujah. Praising God that sinners are consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Psalms 113 through 118 are often called the Hallel Psalms or the Hallel of Egypt. And they're often referred to as the Hillel of Egypt because of the reference to Exodus in them repeatedly. God's ancient people, Israel, were prisoners for over 400 years by the Egyptians, and the Jewish people regularly sing Psalms 113 to 118 at the Passover to celebrate the deliverance of Israel because of the destruction of Egypt that persecuted her. The term hallelujah appears only here in the New Testament. You won't find it anywhere else but right here in Revelation 19. And that is why some Bible scholars will refer to these verses in Revelation 19 as heaven's hallelujah chorus. I must say it is next to impossible to find Christian music that praises God for his judgment. And it's equally impossible to find Christian music that praises God for his judgment contextually. Now take the battle hymn of the Republic. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. The idea that Jesus squeezes men like grapes with his wrath is not fond. It's not what most Christians like. Christians are not fond of an angry Jesus, a vengeful Jesus. They do not want to hear of God's judgment and wrath, let alone sing about it on Sunday. Today's church only wants to sing about his love and kindness. And I am not trying to in any way suggest that we ought not sing about his love and kindness, but, but God's attributes are vast and comprehensive, and we ought not to exclude any of them. Mine eyes have seen the glory. That's how the battle hymn of the Republic begins. Mine eyes have seen the glory. Do you see the word glory in verse 1? Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. That's the second coming. Notice verse 11. And I saw, eyes have seen. Seen what? Heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. It's the second coming. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. Revelation 14, the angel gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. Notice verse 15 in Revelation 19. Jesus treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. Again, Revelation 19 and 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword. His truth is marching on. Verse 11, he is called true. And in verse 13, he is called the word of God. Glory, 
glory, hallelujah, heavens, hallelujah, chorus, hallelujah, four times in Revelation 19. Now, there's only one problem with the Battle Hymn of the Republic. America sang this song in victory over her enemies. In Revelation 19, heaven is singing this song not about America's enemies, but the enemies of God's people who are equally the enemies of God the world over since the beginning of time. Let's take a look at heaven. We're going to be there in the future when this happens. Notice in verse 1, a great multitude. This tells us heaven will be crowded. Also notice in verse 1, the words a loud voice. This tells us heaven will be loud. Heaven will be loud with praising, rejoicing, worshiping, thanking. But this ought to cause believers on earth to do likewise. And here is why. What is the cause? Well, simply put, our God is putting his attributes into action for you. For you. Now, what are his attributes that ought to cause all of us right here, right now, to get a little louder than we normally do? Rejoicing, praising, worshiping, and thanking God a lot more than we do. Well, verse 1, salvation. He is a God who safeguards his people. But this is not soul salvation in the sense of being saved from your sins. This is, as 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9 says, for God has not destined us for wrath. That's the church. For God has not destined us for wrath. That's what the tribulation is all about. But listen, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're in heaven with him, right? We have been saved from everything we are learning about in this book. <clears throat> God has not destined us for wrath. Verse 15, he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. <clears throat> we have been saved from all these plagues, the pestilence, the devil, the Antichrist. We will never be tempted to have to receive the mark. We won't be there. All the nations hate God's people. Some are even killed. And you and I, you and I are in heaven rejoicing, praising, thanking God loudly. Well, we should not wait for heaven. We ought to believe our Bibles today. What? That when God says he's going to put his attributes into action to save you from what tomorrow brings, we ought to believe him and we ought to praise him. Number two, verse one again, the glory, the attribute of his glory. When we speak about God's glory, we must speak about his holiness. Isaiah 6 and 3, and one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see, you can't speak about his holiness without speaking about his glory, and you can't speak about his holiness and his glory and not talk about his judgment. Revelation 6 and 10, and they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord? Holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? God's holy glory must judge sinful man, a wicked world, especially because of what they've done to his people from the beginning of time. Revelation 18 and 20, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. 
God judges the wicked for you. His glory did that. God's holiness demands he judge, he judges man's sinfulness. And in this case, for you. Number three, verse one, his power. What's this all about? Well, keep your fingers here and turn to Revelation 11. And I'd like to tell us what this power will one day do for us. Revelation 11. Beginning in verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. His kingdom is coming. He has defeated his enemies and ours. The devil's kingdom, Babylon, for you will be turned into God, Jesus Christ's kingdom. For you, Jesus is coming. And did you notice all through Revelation 11, verse 15 for, through 17, they're loud, they're worshiping, they're thanking, they're praising. Why? You have taken your great power, one of his attributes, and he's put it into action. And one day the kingdom of this world with all its debauchery and sin and wickedness and lies and evil and evil men will become the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and he will reign forever and ever. <clears throat> one word, one word says it all. Let's come back to Revelation 19 and 2. One word, the word because. The word because in verse 2 introduces the reason for the great outburst of praise. God has put his attributes into action. God always has a because for us. What do I mean? Well, he does not simply command rejoicing, praising, worshiping, and thanking. He gives us reason by putting his attributes into action because God has done this, we by default, naturally, automatically ought to result in worship and praise and thanksgiving, rejoicing. Now, for those who struggle with rejoicing over the wicked being judged, I direct you to verse two, because his judgments are true and righteous. The punishment fits the crime, folks. Man deserves God's wrath. It is not wrong. It is right. It is righteous. Why is the world under God's wrath? And let's bring that question a little closer to home. Why would America be under God's wrath? Answer, the same reason for America is the same for the rest of the world, and the same for the rest of the world is the same for America. Turn with me to Romans 1. Romans 1. Let's quickly go through passages we're familiar with, but I want to make some observations and and apply these verses. Romans 1 and 18. Let's begin there. For the wrath of God. Now stop there. That, that's, what, that's what we're talking about in the Revelation. From Revelation 6 to 19, God is pouring out his wrath. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. If we pay careful attention to the spread of the gospel, 
the further away from its roots we find ourselves, the further away from Jerusalem, Israel, where it all began, to where it spread Europe. Do you know what we see? Europe, for quite some time now, has been suppressing the truth. There was a time when the greatest churches and the greatest preachers came from Europe. No more. America, perhaps more than any other nation, has suppressed the truth. And do you know why? America, more than any other nation, has been exposed to it. No other nation on the face of this earth has had more Bible colleges. No other nation on the face of the earth has had more churches on every corner, Christian TV, Christian radio, Christian bookstores, and now America is suppressing the truth. I don't know how many of you know Judge Roy Moore from Alabama. He ran for the Senate. He used to have a monument to the Ten Commandments in his courtroom. No more. Can't have a nativity scene on the front lawn of a public square. Can't have prayer in school anymore. And cancel culture. What, what will they do with the freedom of speech? They've already begun to make inroads in what they like to hear and what they don't like to hear. And I want you to know they're not going to like to hear the gospel. They're not going to want to hear about sin. They're not going to want to hear about repent and believe the gospel. They're not going to want to hear about the consequences of not repenting and believing the gospel. Look at verse one, 21. For even though they knew God. This country we live in knows all about God. They don't honor him as God or give thanks. They have become futile in their speculations and their foolish heart has been darkened. So how do we know when a nation is under the wrath of God? Well, this is what they do, but this is not what God does. Look at verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their nations would be dishonored among them. When a nation suppresses the truth, God gives them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. This is the sexual revolution. Here comes sexual sin, adultery, fornication. The truth about adultery and the truth about fornication has been suppressed. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, lesbianism. They have suppressed the truth about what is proper and what is correct. Verse 27, and in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error, homosexuality. They have suppressed the truth about what God says about men with men and women with women and, 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 and any kind of sexual behavior outside the scope of marriage, God is angry. He's going to pour out his wrath. But look, sexual sin is only part of what makes God angry and pour out his wrath. Verse 29, there's so much more. But being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, greed. Are we, are we one nation under God or are we one nation under greed? Michael Douglas in that famous line in Wall Street, greed is good. Greed is not good. It incurs the wrath of God. Evil, full of envy, murder. Has murder gone up? Strife, 
Is there greater disunity? Deceit. Are there more lies? Malice. They are gossips. My goodness, there's gossip columns. Thirty number Verse 30, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, arrogant. People talk about themselves in the third person constantly. They're constantly bragging about themselves. That's the next word, boasters. Inventors of evil. You know, the Bible knows nothing about men becoming women, women becoming men, to the best of my knowledge, or uh, sexual uh, surgeries that change a person's sexual orientation. These are inventions of more evil. Disobedient to parents. My goodness, have we ever seen children more disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful? Unmerciful cancel culture. Somebody could have done something wrong 30 years ago, and it comes to light, and they lose their career. They lose everything cancel culture. They don't want to go by what have you been doing the last 30 years. They want to go by what you said 30 years ago. That's an unmerciful person. Do you know when you really know a nation is under the wrath of God? Here, here, Here's the, the crescendo to the whole thing. The very end of verse 32, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. They endorse it, openly endorse it. Do we approve sexual sin or do we condemn it? Do we approve lesbianism, homosexuality, greed, or do we condemn those things? God's judgments, listen, they are true and righteous. Man deserves what he is getting. The punishment fits the crime. And what really makes the punishment fit the crime is for 2,000 years, God has been offering all of these people we're talking about forgiveness in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who came to die for their sins if they would repent and believe the gospel and understand that they cannot save themselves. No amount of goodness can save them. James says if you keep the whole law, and stumble in one point, the whole law, 613 laws, and you stumble in one point, you're guilty of all. That's why Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. The standard for heaven is perfection, and that's why we need God's grace to save us. We must repent and believe the gospel, and what that means is you must believe the truth about who Jesus is. He is the eternal Son of God, born of a virgin, who led a sinless life, died on a cruel tree, rose from the dead on the third day, and he's coming back again. But repentance also means a turning from sin, not just a change in belief, but a change in behavior. How should we end these thoughts? How about let Revelation 19 do it in the 24 elders And the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. That phrase comes from Psalm 106, 48. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting, even to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Hallelujah. Amen means so be it. Amen means I agree with it. Amen means let it be. Hallelujah means praise God for what? Amen. I agree with this wrath. It is true. It is righteous. Amen. I agree with this judgment. 
I rejoice. I praise God for it. Amen. Hallelujah. The only way the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord is for God to judge for you. For you.